Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. All right. Well, welcome to the Underdog Podcast, Chase. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so Chase Prisky is a hockey player. Glad to have you. What an honor. And I do have to say, I, I went to, uh, actually, it's probably a hockey school. It was Miami University. So pretty yeah. good hockey school. And I learned, uh, there's two things I learned in college is one, don't fight hockey players or wrestlers. <laughs> some tough, some tough SOBs. And uh, actually, the hockey guys I was friends with, um, yeah, I was actually, one was the runner up for the, Heisman of the uh, the Hobie Baker Award, Ryan Jones was his name. Uh, great hockey player back in the day. And uh, man, tough guys. You guys fight, you get your hands placed, and next thing you know, my shirt's over my head, and and uh, they're throwing uh, some, some haymakers. So I, I learned that, man. Don't don't mess with you hockey players. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's good to to learn your journey. We're here to talk about you, not about my, uh, my hockey uh, guys teaching me how to fight back in the day, but... Um, you grew up in Florida, so we kind of want to start with your journey, and then we'll get to kind of your underdog moments and you know the adversity you faced in your career, and, and continue to grit and grind through to uh, you know make it to be an elite of of your industry. Um, but not many players in in hockey, to my understanding, grow up in in this in in Florida. Can you kind of touch upon you know your youth and how you got into the game of hockey? Yeah. So uh, so my mom played a little bit of college hockey. Uh, she went to Bowdoin and she played there and my dad played uh, college lacrosse in college. Um, so between the two sports, they're, they're pretty similar. Obviously one's on ice, the other one's on the field, but uh, the hand-eye coordination is something that carries over in both. And um, the Florida Panthers inaugural season uh, was in 93. And then in 96, uh, they went to the Stanley cup finals. And that was the year I was born. Uh, my parents were season ticket holders. So I saw my first hockey game at 30 days old. And by the time I was five, I, I, I was already been to hundreds of games. So I, I was hooked from a young age. Um, I was lucky that right around the corner from my house, there's a, like a little park that has eight roller hockey rinks. And um, my parents signed me up for, it, it's called like street hockey. And you pretty much run around with no skates on and, and play hockey. So I did that for a couple of years and then I figured out how to skate and started skating and, and kind of the rest of uh, my love for hockey just kind of grew. And the rest is kind of history in terms of how I got started playing. But uh, just in Florida, there, there are a handful of guys that have uh, started to make it to the NHL from Florida. And it's become more and more nor normal to see uh, players from non-traditional markets at high levels. So uh, it's kind of crazy how, how quick the game has grown here, but uh, it, it's cool to, to be one of the first. Yeah, and speaking of the Florida Panthers, sounds like you're there 30 days, and then eventually you're actually, you know, and you attended a bunch of games, then you're actually playing for the Florida Panthers. And, and currently, I know you're with the Charlotte Checkers, uh, who's part of the, the Florida Panthers organization. Can you talk about, you know, what was your reaction when you received the call, you know, for the team that you grew up on? It's hard as to be. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and uh, it's my favorite team in football. And I can imagine if I was called up to the Cleveland Browns, it'd be a dream come true. So, can you kind of talk about you know receiving that call up and, and your d debut in the NHL? 
um, it, to be honest, it was, it was really crazy. I, uh, going into training camp, I, I really wanted to, uh, to kind of prove myself. I, I, I had overcome a couple injuries my first two years of pro and it, it kind of set me back from where I had hoped to be. But coming into this year is the first year that I was really healthy and I, and I, and I felt like myself again. And, um, I, I put together a pretty good camp, some good preseason games and, um, got brought into the office and and I was one of the last players cut and then uh, got to Charlotte and it was a quick, I believe it was like a 48 hour turnaround that they'd already called me back up uh, that they had needed my services. So um, like the, the lowest low to the highest high receiving my first call up after just getting cut, which was kind of crazy. And uh, within the first three months um, I had been called up and called up 11 times. Wow. So it was uh, a lot of air miles, a lot of hotels kind of going back and forth, but uh, nothing I wasn't prepared to do. And, and obviously I, I love to do it because it, just chasing my dreams. But um, I remember getting sent down beginning of December and I got a call from my coach here in the minors, Jordy Kinnear. And he was kind of asking me how I was feeling and, and just, uh, cause it does take a, it does take a toll on you mentally uh, and emotionally, just uh, being so close, but not achieving your goal. And then coming back to the minors and, and playing and, and contributing to the lineup. And he was talking to me and, and he was just asking how I was feeling. And he's like, well, do you think you'll, you, you'll feel good enough to, to play in the NHL tomorrow? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're playing your first game tomorrow night. And I was like, it just kind of hit me. I was like, holy, like I was not ready for that. And then uh, I got the call for management, uh, had like two hours to to pack a bag and go get my equipment from the rink. And I was off, uh, took the, I think it was like the 11 PM flight from Charlotte to Fort Lauderdale and uh, didn't have a problem sleeping that night. And just, uh, I think the most hectic part was uh, kind of getting my friends and family uh, tickets to the games uh, to come watch me play. It was, uh, it was just such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of family, I think the, the big piece when I saw this online and Eliana who helps run the podcast, she, we, we, her and I talked and why Chase would be a, a perfect fit for us here at the Underdog Podcast. It was, it was really on Twitter we saw this and then we started looking into your story was, you, you quote, say, after my dad passed in 2013, my mom started working three jobs to support my dream of playing in the NHL. As much as she would say that night was about me. It was truly about her work for the years leading to that moment. Thank you for helping me achieve my dream, mom. That's pretty powerful, man. So can you talk to us about, you know, um, you know, losing, you know, using losing your dad in 2013 and and then, you know, how emotional, you know, obviously that night coming back to play for the Florida Panthers, growing up, you know, cheering for them and just kind of that whole moment. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing, um, you know, for you. So what, what was going through your mind, you know, thinking about your mom and dad that night too? Yeah. Um, it, it's crazy how, how life kind of comes full circle and, and it's fully encompassing. Um, when I, I don't know, maybe when I was like eight, eight or nine, my, my dad started to work for the Panthers as a, as a team chef. So, I mean, I would hear stories about, about the guys and about how, how awesome it would be to be in the NHL. And obviously you're a kid from Florida. And at the time, uh, didn't really have anyone from Florida in the NHL. So 
for me, there were no role models growing up. It was like, oh, well, this would be great, but I just kind of have fun doing this sort of deal. And um, he would bring me to the games and I would be able to eat at his restaurant and then watch the games. And when he was done, he'd come up and join me for part of the third period and then we'd go home. So um, the FLA Live Arena where the Panthers play is a, is a extremely special place for me. Just all the uh, kind of quality time I, I spent with him there. And then um, when I was 15, I moved away to uh, Connecticut to go to prep school. Just uh, the, the quality of competition in Florida just wasn't good enough anymore to, to kind of push me to get better every day. So uh, talking to my parents, uh, that was kind of the best choice for me moving forward if I wanted to have aspirations of Division One and, and pro hockey. And um, he, he ended up passing away that year, and I know that was really tough. Um, really tough on my mom. Uh, obviously I'm an only child and, uh, she no longer had anyone in the house, uh, where I'm sure it was hard enough to send her, uh, 15 year old off to, uh, to boarding school now to completely have an empty nest wasn't kind of in the plans for her. Um, and I just remember she, she's a high school math teacher. So she, she taught during the day and then she would leave school and, go to SAT tutoring right after school every day. And then in the summers, she moved up to the Adirondacks and she worked at a summer camp there. And between the three jobs, she was able to, to comfortably put me through prep school and, and help me financially, whether it was junior hockey or even giving me a check when I got to Quinnipiac University to play college hockey and kind of said, like, this is what I have for you. Um, so like, kind of take it and run. And the rest was kind of on me. So uh, I would say there was a, a huge uh, learning curve just from a maturity standpoint, uh, understanding how to be frugal with money. And, and she had taught me along the way. And luckily, I get my math skills from her. So I was able to pick up on things here and there. But uh, just to see like her drive, um, never once complain about having to work three jobs, never once having to complain about me being away or me following my dream. It was always about what, what I can, what can I do to put you in a better position? And, um, her selflessness really kind of still drives me today to, to get back to the NHL. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, more power to your mom, Lisa Evans, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. She never yeah. changed her, uh, her maiden name. So yeah. it's actually funny when, when she's at school and she tells her kids ab about me, like when, when I was up and, and I got my uh, my couple games with the Florida Panthers, they're like, oh, well, he doesn't even have the same last name as you. And she's like, trust me, he, he's my son. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to uh, Miss Lisa. That's I, I was watching uh, Coach Shoseski for Duke basketball and kind of coming to the end of his career. And he says to his team, you know, be as tough as your mother. And uh, it sounds like. Like you said, she said, you know, your dad, you know, as well, but your, your, your mother is, that's, that's a, that's a tough lady working three jobs and doing, I know hockey, uh, many sports are not, uh, cheap to, to play and hockey is definitely one of those by any means is probably more expensive sport. So it's incredible to, to see that. And I'm sure she was extremely proud when you were called up and, and, um, wanted to talk about, you know, I, I had a, an ability to one of my best friends played professional baseball and I saw this whole minor league back and forth. I think a lot of the people that watch sports, they see chase when you, when you get to, you know, whether you're playing in Charlotte or if you're playing in the Florida Panthers, they see like you on the ice, but there's so much that goes into it. Like you said, even, uh, the, the business side of things of, of, of taking long buses and staying in probably not the nicest hotel, especially in, in minor leagues. 
in gritting and grinding, it's not easy. Like people think it's like, oh, they, they see Alex Oveshkin or Sidney Crosby. Well, that's not everybody, right? That's the top percent. And, and, and a lot of the guys, like you said, are trying to grit and grind. So how do you getting sent up and down? I guess the question is here, long-winded, but how have you persevered, right? Someone that's going through adversity, how have you handled going up and down and up and down and still believing innately that you are, you know, an NHL player in the future? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm lucky that, um, my wife has a hockey background and, and she keeps me pretty, pretty grounded. So she, um, she continuously motivates me every day to be better. And, and she, she tells me all the time how good I am, which, you know, not every day, uh, you kind of have it. Uh, but I, every day she reminds me that I do. So, uh, I'm extremely lucky to have her, but also I think one of the biggest things is just, uh, kind of my support team between friends and family and, and former coaches and, uh, especially a couple friends that I lean heavily on and, um, always pick up my FaceTime calls, always answer my texts, never kind of never give an excuse. And, and they're always there, which is, uh, which is pretty huge because, uh, you're in the minors and you're grinding and, and at this level, you're one type of player, like where you, you can heavily impact games. And then you get called up to the NHL and now you're the new guy on the block and you're, you're kind of playing for your life. Right. Um, you, you have to put your best foot forward every day because you don't get an extra chance. You don't get an extra slip up. It's um, every pass is almost like your last pass there. Every shot you're shooting to score. And um, you got to show them day in and day out that you don't just belong to be at that level, but you you can excel at that level. And that's kind of what they look for in my opinion. And um, it's tough because you essentially have to go take someone else's job and it's kind of a weird concept. Um, but you've got to go in and you just have to prove uh, kind of how special you are in whatever aspect of the game that you play. So it's uh, it's extreme. It's a very fine line to walk between being confident and cocky and and making sure you have the right people surrounding you and and continue to encourage you because it does get tough. Yeah, no doubt, and, and it's definitely something that's I'm sure not easy to conceptualize, but. Um, you know, I know that's unfortunately it's kind of the, the way of the world, right? Is to progress, you got to keep moving forward, and at times it's not easy. But um, speaking of moving forward, at, at through your career, I understand that you were a captain at some point. Can you kind of talk through, like, what is your leadership style, right? And obviously, you've had success at different levels. You know, from you know an early age on up into the NHL. What is made, I guess, your leadership, your ability to impact? people in the game, you know, kind of maybe any insight that maybe someone could learn of how you've, you've been able to succeed. Yeah, I think, uh, I was extremely lucky to be a two-year captain at Quinnipiac. I think those are the most, uh, notable years of, uh, being a leader, obviously wore a couple letters in, in high school and for my midget teams. But, uh, to this day, one of the most proud moments was being able to, to be a captain at Quinnipiac. And I, I don't really know how I would, uh, describe my leaders leadership style I, I think for me it was just all about getting the right group of guys we didn't need to be the most talented and we de- didn't need to all be nhl draft picks but it's just about finding the right group of guys that are willing to play for each other and it's it's really easy to to kind of weed out the guys that don't have that mindset and especially in college uh our strength coach there brijesh patel put us through extremely gruesome workouts with uh, a high, high level of detail every day for 
two hours, two and a half hours. And, and every detail had to be, uh, like down, down every I dotted and T crossed. And, and so if we weren't doing that, we had some sort of punishment and, um, his big thing was, uh, was excellence. So we, we kind of tried to cultivate a culture of excellence at Quinnipiac. And I'll never forget, I, for every miss, mishap or miscue in a workout, he'd give you five burpees. And I think there was one day, one of the first days of me being captain where we had like 280 burpees after a workout. And I don't know if you've ever had to do burpees as a group, but uh, everyone goes down, everyone claps and counts at the same time. And to get essentially 24 to 30 guys on the same page can be a little difficult, but you figured out uh, how well other guys were able to, to lead in certain aspects. And, and for me, it was all about delegation. Uh, I didn't need to be the leader in everything. And I think that there are guys that were much better than me in certain aspects. And I would kind of hand over the reins and, and they would take control because I, I had trust in them. So I think it was just building trust throughout the lineup and realizing, okay, like this is the group that wants to go to battle together. And this is the group that wants to win. And I was lucky to have some really good teammates. Uh, I can kind of just leave it at that. I was really blessed. And I think the best teams are the ones where everyone kind of steps up to the plate to be a leader, no matter if you have a letter or not. Yeah. Everyone takes that ownership. But I, I, I think I just had a flashback nightmare of burpees. <laughs> like, Holy, I, I, I think I'm winded now. I, mean, I got the dad bod, but the, uh, about 10 burpees, man, that about does me in. You said 280 or something like that. And yeah, Ooh. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we were lucky. We were able to break it up over. I, I mean, I don't know. It probably took us like 40 minutes to do it. So we were able to do like intervals of like 60, but, Ooh. um, yeah, it, it wasn't fun, but I mean, that was one way to just hammer in the, the attention to detail. Sure. So, yep. um, yep. it was good. It was, it was, it was extremely good and it was extreme. It was extremely, um, just like y- you learn more about yourself when you get kind of get tested like that. So yeah, no doubt. It was, it was a great learning, learning curve, especially to learn about myself as well. Yeah, it seems like and you talked a little bit about organization behind you. I see a calendar. I don't know if that's the wife or that's you, man. You look like you got uh you got some you got some some serious organization. So uh, luckily that's my wife. Uh, okay. she she keeps me organized. I'm kind of the the macro type of guy and she's very uh micro organized. So she keeps me organized. Uh she's a personal trainer. Okay. So she uh She's got all her clients, all of the Florida Panthers game, the Charlotte games, because you never know when you might get called up or what city they might be in, where you might be flying out to. So uh, just try to stay organized for the most part, just in case anything does happen. I love it, man. You got you got great. You got the the mom and now the wife. You got, you know, every, like I said, you, you got some great support. Um, but it's really fun to see it just picking on you back there. I was like, I wish I had that, but now it makes sense. And she was a hockey yeah. player too, right? So. Yeah, she was. She was uh, arguably better than me. But uh, now that I'm the only one playing and, and she kind of retired, uh, I can I can easily say that I'm better now. Just uh, she's been retired a couple of years. Does she critique? Does she you come home and does she uh, give you some some analysis and give you some coaching or what what, what happens? Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's uh, it's good. Uh, good constructive criticism. And, and sometimes uh, I don't really have the. Uh, the attention span to listen because I'm, I'm uh, a little emotional, but um, luckily the day after we kind of sit back and chat about it and 
it, it's nice to to have someone who who understands the game and sees it a bit different differently than me. So uh, when we chat about it, she's extremely smart and she sees the game in in, in an incredible way. So it's kind of nice to you you kind of have the the coaches, especially in professional hockey, right? Like the coaches need to manage everyone as players because you never know what the lineup might be like. Uh, you've got players coming in, going out, injuries. We've got call-ups from the East Coast Hockey League, which is essentially like the AAA league, like the the feeder system to, to the American Hockey League. So they've got to worry about more of a macro, like team-like atmosphere and making sure guys are on the same page to win. So sometimes she might see something that the coaches might not be harping on where that I can kind of get better at and and work on my game a bit. So it's nice to have kind of like an eighth in the hole. No, absolutely. That's awesome. One of the last questions I have for you um, is with that transient people coming in and people coming out, right? You're up and down. How do you galvanize a team? And this could be in work too. Like people are on special assignment or you got new people coming into the office from a business perspective, you and from a hockey perspective, how, how critical, how, how, you know, to win, you know, at the Charlotte checkers or when you go up to Florida, Panthers, or you've previously played at the Syracuse Crunch, and you know even at Quinnipiac, you have players in and out depending on graduation. How do you galvanize a team quickly? How do you get on the same page? Um, I always have found. Uh, well, I think number one kind of goes back to the leadership. Uh, it, it's a, I would say it's a leadership group. It's a handful of guys that have experience and and have been around and and they know what it takes to win at this level. Uh, or at any level, I should say, or even in the business world, they they know what it means to be successful, and that's number one. And then number two is I think uh, I think incentivizing is an incredibly powerful tool to use in a business setting or in a uh, a hockey setting. So, for example, in, in pro hockey, the incentives could be an extra day off. So you might play Friday, Saturday, and instead of just having Sunday off, maybe have Monday off. And, Two days off in in a seventy two to eighty two game season uh, is extremely nice to have. So I know guys get extremely excited excited about that when that's up for grabs for a weekend sweep, or um, some guys are motivated by money. So knowing like okay, my contract's up, and for me to go out and get a better contract, like I I need to motivate myself, which it's an intrinsic kind of way to motivate yourself. But money does make the world go round for some people. And some people, it's just sheer, I love to win. So knowing that I can go to the rink every day and, and we've got three games this week and we can we can win a series versus, uh, for example, for us, we play Thursday, Friday, Sunday versus the Hartford Wolfpack, just knowing that we can beat up on those guys and try to take three wins and six points. So I think uh, it, it's extremely interesting kind of to see the incentives that some guys uh, some guys kind of get fired up about, but I think it's uh, I think it's a, in, extremely important in any kind of faucet of life to to find a way to motivate. Yeah, so. no doubt. And speaking of business and, and and things, when when I always say when the ball goes flat, I guess when the when the puck isn't moving anymore, what's what's next for Chase in, in your life and in the future? Once once you do stop playing hockey, you know I'm I'm not too sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna play as long as my body allows, and I know that for certain. Um, I don't take it for granted any days that I get to go to the rink and have fun and put the skates on. But after hockey, I think, uh, I think college hockey has kind of been my calling. Uh, I, I miss that sort of team, team setting and team uh, mindfulness, just 
getting to work with uh, players of that caliber that have the have the option to, to go on and play pro hockey. And I'd love to be a, a D coach at Quinnipiac University, but um, I've, I've been lucky enough where some of our assistant coaches at Quinnipiac have already taken head coaching jobs uh, other places in uh, in the college hockey world. Uh, for example, Bill Rigg is at, uh, the head coach at Holy Cross now, and Reed Cashman, who is the coach who recruited me to Quinnipiac, is the head coach at Dartmouth College. And I still talk to talk to them regularly and would love to be sitting on their staff one day, but um, uh, I kind of will worry about that when when we get there, sort so of speak. But um, I kind of lo- just love the development side of hockey. So for me, that's kind of what motivates me, just uh, seeing myself get better, and I love seeing other guys get better. So I could definitely see that being in the cards potentially. Well, I really appreciate uh, the knowledge nuggets, as I call them, and, and you definitely laid a lot throughout the episode. And how does anyone, I always ask at the end, how, how does anyone uh, engage with you on any platforms, websites, anything that you have uh, that you can share? Uh, Twitter. Twitter is the biggest one for me. Uh, my handle is at Prisky4. Um, people can tweet at me all the time. I try to, I try to interact as much as possible. I'm always retweeting. Uh, I call them my boys, but uh, whether they're in the, uh, the NHL, the American League, or the East Coast League, I'm, I'm always constantly retweeting their goals or highlights and, and stuff like that. So I think that's the best way. And um, I, social media is a, a crazy awesome tool. It, it really is. It's, 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 it's fun. Sometimes, as we all know, it can get a little consuming or get you a little distracted. But every once in a while, it's not, not a bad thing. And, um, you know, really appreciate it. I'm glad to actually, you know, tweeting brought awareness, you know, like sharing your story is, is really impactful. And, and I think you should be extremely proud of it's, it's a one hell of a story, my man, that um, you're able to do that. And I'm sure your dad's looking down upon you and extremely proud and, and, and your mom, you know, working three jobs to help you get to where you were and, and the gratitude and the selflessness you explained is just really impactful. And I think anyone that's listening to this in, in your story that chase, as I always say, my goal is is hopefully impact more than one person on, on this episode, but at least I, I know that was done, you know, for sure. And and keep grinding and gritting away. I, I know it's not easy, um, but I can't wait to watch you in the future. And I know you'll be back up with the Panthers at some point. So really appreciate your time today and, and wish you the best of luck. No, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm really glad that I got to come on and, and kind of talk about it. It's uh, for, for a lot of years now, I was pretty, pretty quiet about my personal life. Uh, especially I, I don't really like to talk about the passing of my father, but ever since, uh, that little kind of video that the Panthers put out about it and then me tweeting about it and, uh, just seeing so many people interact with me, uh, sending me tweets or direct messages on Twitter and, and commenting and saying how, whether 10 years ago I used to play with someone and they're still watching me play or, someone lost uh, their father and they're, they've got aspirations to play in the NHL. And that's kind of what they're doing uh, has made me realize that I, I want to use Twitter as a better tool to, to continue to kind of interact with people just because you never know what someone's going through and, and what could be used as added motivation to, to kind of inspire someone. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you had me on. Yeah, no, it's it's a blessing, and 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 you're using it, you're using your platform to help others, which is it's commendable, and and you should be proud of that. And we appreciate your time, and and I know, like I said, your story um, is not over yet. We're going to continue to watch you, but even you sharing what you have and and being open and vulnerable and uh, just really inspiring, and, and really appreciate it. And uh, 
can't wait, man. Can't wait to see what's ahead for you. And if not, I know, uh, I know there's one thing is that if, if you don't play well, that she, the wife might be bringing the, uh, the fisticuffs are getting her old uh, hockey hockey uh, gloves off and, and throwing some blows, but no, I yeah, sure she not. might be. She might be. <laughs> happened a couple times this year already, so I love nothing's it, out of the out of the picture. Well, appreciate Chase. Have a good one, brother. Appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. Leave a five star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.